Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Today we bring you three stories of scientists, engineers, and medical doctors working to help us survive the coronavirus pandemic. Let's start with the professionals on the front lines. It turns out it's not just the risk of infection and the long hours that make being a hospital emergency room staffer draining right now. Treating COVID-19 comes with homework. And once doctors finish their shifts, they still have to try and catch up on the latest coronavirus research. Clay Josephi, an emergency department doctor in South Lake Tahoe, says following literature is exhausting and sometimes discouraging. You know, there's just like this incessant need to keep up and you read everything. And every single day there's 10 to 20, maybe more, you know, articles per day. And on top of that, the quality of this information is historically low. I mean, you're talking about non-peer-reviewed observational data. You know, that's not cause and effect data. That's hypothesis generating and you're seeing wildly misinterpreted you know, information both at the layperson level and at the media level and, you know, quite frankly, at the quote-unquote expert level. And uh, it's so hard to try to keep straight. I feel like it's been almost three months now where, you know, I haven't barely even spent a day off and, uh, you know, society will open up and we'll get back to some semblance of normal life, but for the doctors and nurses and healthcare workers, nothing's going to change anytime soon. Dr. Josephi is currently planning a trip to New York City to relieve overworked doctors in the heart of the country's pandemic. His story is part of a series of audio diaries produced by KQED science reporter Leslie McClurg. To Pasadena now, where a team of engineers at the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory has been hard at work figuring out how to quickly build more ventilators. The coronavirus pandemic has created a national shortage of those life-saving medical devices. Well, the team at JPL recently completed testing of their device, and they're now seeking expedited federal approval. KCRW's Jerome Campbell has more. It took several dozen engineers working mostly from home 40 days to complete a reproducible ventilator device. Arby Karapetian is on that team. He's a system engineer who just finished working on the Mars rover set to launch this summer. He says the team collaborated with medical professionals to reduce the number of parts needed to build their ventilator from 2,000 to around 100. There's a certain burden that you feel on your shoulders. When you think about it and you say, this could be connected to a human being who can't breathe on their own, you know, we better get this right. There's no other option. Karapetian says the device uses parts typically found in other medical equipment, so mass production wouldn't dip into much-needed supplies. These ventilators are not meant to replace the ones currently in hospitals. He says they should only serve COVID-19 patients and get retired after a few months. For The California Report, I'm Jerome Campbell. Let's go to the Central Coast now to Monterey. That county's public health laboratory has increased its COVID-19 testing capacity sevenfold over the last five weeks, thanks to one graduate student who offered to help after hearing a story on local public radio. Michelle Loxton reports from our partner station, KAZU. 
In mid-March, PhD student Paul Bump heard a story on local radio that got his attention. It was about the challenges a public health lab in Monterey County was facing because of the coronavirus. The lab worried that the three workers on site, who were shouldering all the testing responsibilities, would get burnt out. Bump wondered if he could help. He's studying biology at Stanford, but he's based at Hopkins Marine Station in nearby Pacific Grove. Normally, he's researching what he calls squishy marine animals, but he still thought his experience could be relevant. It just so happens that the weird skill of like transferring clear liquids from one tube to another very, very carefully without making any mistakes, like I'm doing that for eight years. And so it's like, I think I have the skills and experience and background to be of use. He reached out to the head of the lab. So immediately after that program aired, I received an email from Paul Bump. That's Dr. Donna Ferguson, the director of the Monterey County Public Health Lab. And I was really thrilled about that because it's very hard to find people who have those laboratory skills. Ferguson had already tried to hire another lab worker at the start of the pandemic, but had been told that wasn't possible because of budget constraints. Luckily, Bump could do the type of coronavirus testing the lab needed. And that's not all he wanted to offer. So I had emailed her and then my next thought was like, okay, wait a minute, like, I have these skill sets, but I know other people who do as well. Bump contacted other students he knew locally. Around 20 wanted to help. Ferguson was able to take on five student volunteers from Stanford, Cal State Monterey Bay and UC Santa Cruz. She wished she could have taken more, but there just isn't enough space in the lab. The students work without pay, about 20 to 30 hours a week, while keeping up with their own studies. Because of the volunteers, the lab has been able to expand its testing hours and gone from testing about 20 specimens a day to a record number of 150. That means patients in both Monterey and San Benito counties now get their results within a day or two. It also benefits the full-time public health microbiologists. Dr. Ferguson says because of the extra help, they now get to take the occasional and much-needed day off. I couldn't imagine us carrying on testing for another month without our students. She says they feel a lot less pressure, and now she's not so worried about staff burnout anymore. For the California Report, I'm Michelle Loxton in Monterey County. Remember those photos this weekend of large crowds on some California beaches? Well, Governor Gavin Newsom saw them too. And he says those crowds don't help contain the coronavirus. This is shaping up to be the battle of the beaches, one of many in the war on COVID-19. KQED's Scott Schaefer starts us off this morning. The governor started his Monday briefing by addressing photos of very crowded beaches in Orange County, thousands of people who seem to be violating social distancing orders. You didn't see those images in L.A. beaches and San Diego beaches and Northern California around San Mateo County because we had strong guidelines that were not only adopted, but were abided by. Newsom said he understands the pent-up frustration, especially given the warm weather over the weekend. However... This virus doesn't take the weekends off. This virus doesn't go home uh, because it's a beautiful sunny day. Newsom said he was heartened by reports that local officials were considering changes to their policies. But the county CEO, Frank Kim, said most people he saw sitting close together were family members. But what I saw was an effort from all of the participants who were utilizing the amenity to 
uh, adhere to the principles of social distancing. O.C. County Board of Supervisors Chair Michelle Steele, a Republican running for Congress, said being outdoors is essential for good mental health. The local beaches are an ideal place to do so as long as our residents are properly maintaining social distancing. But the governor said if local officials don't clamp down on violations, the state will look into other options. And we will avail ourselves to more aggressive enforcement of the stay-at-home order, of the social distancing uh, that uh, we expect to be followed all across the state of California. Newsom said the state is just weeks away from easing some of the current restrictions unless there's a new spike in cases. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. Well, at the start of this year, before most of us had ever heard of COVID-19, Governor Newsom proposed expanding the state's health insurance, Medi-Cal, to low-income, undocumented seniors. KQED's Farida Javala-Romero reports this pandemic may derail those plans just when they need it most. Low-income, undocumented kids and young adults up to age 26 can get Medi-Cal. But other undocumented Californians are left out, except in emergencies. That leaves them relying on county health programs that really vary across the state. Undocumented people who live in Contra Costa County and the San Francisco Bay Area can get primary care free of charge. We were really fortunate that the the county, everyone banded together to fund um, this program specifically for undocumented residents. Dr. Kim Sisi is Medical Associate Director at the Lifelong Brookside San Pablo Health Center. She says the program helps keep people out of emergency rooms. Still, it's pretty basic and doesn't cover prescriptions or specialists. There's limitations that we can't get referrals, that we can't go further than primary care. And that is unfortunately um, necessary for many people's care, especially over 65. But in San Bernardino, the county does not reimburse health providers for services for undocumented patients. And that makes a difference, says Deanna Stover. She heads the Community Health Association Inland Southern Region. When a county offers the plan, you get increased knowledge, increased awareness out of the community, and it definitely increases access to care. We want high-risk, vulnerable populations to get care so that it's a healthier community overall. Irma is an undocumented immigrant who has worked as a cook for 25 years at the same San Bernardino fast food restaurant. But she could never afford health insurance, and she's 64 now. She says now more than ever, she needs Medi-Cal because she's more likely to get sick as she ages. Earlier this month, California began covering the cost of COVID-19 testing and treatment for uninsured people, regardless of immigration status. And immigrant advocates say that's a good step, but not enough. Hector Plasencia has been pushing the state to cover all undocumented residents. He says if people are healthier, they're better able to survive coronavirus. If some, if it's a severe case, it is often someone that has other health ailments aside from COVID as well, that we want to make sure that they are comprehensively covered. In his January budget, Governor Newsom included $80 million to start covering 27,000 undocumented seniors under Medi-Cal. But California could be heading for an economic recession, with state revenue falling by billions this year, according to the California Department of Finance. State Senator Maria Elena Durazo says expanding Medi-Cal to undocumented seniors should remain a priority. Undocumented workers continue to work for year after year after year. They have paid taxes. 
but they have not gotten in return the same benefits as other Californians. The governor is still deciding how his budget plan will change and whether covering health care for more people will be part of it, says a Department of Finance spokesman. The revised budget proposal is due to the legislature May 14th. For the California Report, I'm Farida Jabala Romero. And that is the California Report for this Tuesday, April 28th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Have a great day and stay safe, everybody. Support for the California Report comes from California Earthquake Authority, urging Californians to prepare for the next damaging earthquake. Learn more at earthquakeauthority.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems, and the California Healthcare Foundation, standing with all Californians as we address the coronavirus emergency together, on the web at chcf.org. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles. The Snapchat Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles? The Snapchat Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.